This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning, Coach Hogg. By golly, Coach Hogg here in Coach Hogg's locker room on a Monday in the piney woods of North Central Florida, God's country. In the Melton Law Studio, the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators, protected 24-7, 365 by crime prevention, local, use local security. Wonderful people, wonderful people. Well, 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 here we are on a Monday. You know, I got to tell you that I've been very much involved with the basketball and uh, BA playoffs. I mean, you want to see basketball played is probably nobody else in the world can play it. You watch these guys in the in the final games here, and um, you're going to see something that uh, is a, just basically a track meet with every once in a while stop and shoot a three or feed it to the big guy. And then if it gets really tough, they start playing defense. And it's a very interesting, fast-paced situation to watch. We'll get into that in a little bit. One of the interesting stories that's going on, well, we know that our local guy here, Anthony Richardson, who just became an instant multimillionaire because he's a quarterback and because he was taken in the first round and because he was a number four pick, um, as a hero, he's always said the hero was is uh, Cam Newton. And Cam Newton went to the University of Florida behind Tebow, as I remember correctly. And while Cam Newton was here, he got in trouble because of a, well, the story as I remember was uh, a stolen laptop and the laptop led to this, that, wing another, and a uh, crime by a student. I remember his lawyer, a good friend of mine, whose name shall remain unnamed, uh, advised Cam, you should have thrown the laptop out the window rather than be caught with possession of it. Um, basically, what his lawyer was saying is now you've been caught with possession of it. I can't really get you off the hook other than to say, uh, please, mercy, mercy. This is, after all, Cam Newton. And Cam Newton went on to become uh, a pretty successful for a while NFL football quarterback. And uh, these quarterbacks are very well paid. Uh, We'll get into that in a moment, what they're being paid and how much there's more they're willing to pay these guys as the emphasis on the passing game becomes the way in which the NFL is played. The NFL is played, if you consider it, with quarterbacks in the passing game, much the same way the NBA is played, racing up and down the court. Uh, The NFL races up and down the field with fast uh, wideouts and accurate passers. And that makes for an exciting game and makes 
the NFL quarterbacks very, very valuable. So, but in 2021, um, Cam Newton was released by the Carolina Panthers, where he'd been the quarterback since he'd gotten out of Florida. And um, he seems to be saying that, well, he's without a contract now. This is 2023. And publicly, he has begun to say that he thinks he still is a good quarterback, but the reason he's not playing is because of this hair. And here it is. Um, You know, the Auburn football, I think, is where he wound up playing and uh, did well, got drafted out of there, went for the Panthers, but he's got doesn't have a contract. That's his hair. And, you know, I got to admit um, that I'm concerned about how, as I'm sure the NFL is, how is all that going to fit under a football helmet? And Cam must be concerned about it because he is now publicly saying that the reason he's not still in the NFL is not because of his inability to play at NFL level, but because he refuses to get rid of that hairstyle. We might take a look at it one more time, production. It is a real work of art. Uh, I don't have anything against what people do with their hair, except I'm not under contract to the NFL. And maybe the NFL has some point here. But he's appeared, Cam Newton has, as guests on several programs, and he insists that he will not change his hairstyle. He has uh, been pretty adamant about it. He said that people have hinted to him that he's been dumped because he's no longer clean-cut cam. He now has this dreadlock-style hair. And he says uh, he doesn't want to go back to the 2015 clean-cut cam. Uh, It's a different me right now, he says. And I'm embracing who I am right now. So he thinks he's being shut out of the NFL because of his hair. And um, he's not going to compromise this. And it's not a funny thing. It's not like Kaepernick with a political statement. And he had a pretty good head of hair, too. This is a a fashion style, I guess. And he's saying that really also the reason he was dumped at the Patriots is because he was just a distraction. If they had not kept him as a starter – he would have been such had such aura as a backup at the Patriots that he couldn't hang around there because he'd just be a distraction. He says his gift is his aura, and his curse is as well his aura. Um, he's been outspoken uh, about a lot of things, particularly about women. He has advised women, quote unquote, stop being bad bitches and get back to cooking and cleaning for their men. Well, you know how well that went over. So you can't say that he, I guess, is politically correct. Um, He's uh, not uh, backed off that comment. He has said there's a lot of women, this is his quote, who are bad bitches. And he says, I say bitches in a way not to degrade a woman, but just to go off and include them what they should be doing uh, um, catering to a man's needs. Well, let's stop it right there and say, that's Cam Newton. Uh, I have no idea, if you will, uh, how the young man uh, uh, priorities are from here on out. 
But this quarterback thing that he was a part of, uh, the Wall Street Journal has an analysis of this, analysis of this. And the NFL now, of course, as we know, is richer than it's ever been. The football game, the Washington, whatever their latest name is, Commanders, just sold, I think, for five to seven billion dollars. Um, if you're associated with football in any way, somehow, some way, uh, just being there in the way will get you some money. Uh, you know, I was a coach for a while. I had an opportunity to really stay in coaching. And I was, knew that if I stayed in coaching, I'd be in a fraternity forever. I might, I might move a lot, but there'd always be a place for me. And I'd always have special kinds of privileges or perks that other people didn't get. Even at the high school level when I was coaching and teaching, uh, there were distinctly two different worlds. I mean, it was amazing what I could enjoy uh, as a coach compared to what I had to put up with in the classroom. In the classroom, I was, you know, didn't pick my students and and uh, had several sessions of them all day long. Football, we picked our players and concentrated and had team teaching and a lot of things that we couldn't do in the classroom. So we were very effective teachers as coaches. And it was, a fa- it was an interesting, attractive thought, but it wasn't something that really appealed to me as much as the academic side did. But now in the NFL, the NFL is richer than it's ever been. Of course, we know what's happened to name, image, and likeness and the transfer portal at the college level. And we're treating that now as a really a pro game. So let's just take a look at what these quarterbacks are getting. Jalen Hurts, who is fresh off a uh, Philadelphia Eagles championship, has a contract worth $255 million over five years. Hello. Are you ready for that? $255 million over five years. And I'll let you do the math. It's a uh, uh, good buddy, Jody Davis, here is a, an accountant, and he can figure that out, what that is. For pass, uh, if Jody runs a calculator, if Jalen Hurts has a contract of $255 million over five years, what does that figure out? he gets from each snap from center. But that record of Jalen Hurts, $255 million, lasted for fewer than two weeks. Uh, Lamar Jackson then <clears throat> set a new high-water mark with the Ravens. He agreed to a five-year, $260 million contract. And the crazy thing was that neither of these deals worth over $50 million annually, was actually crazy or out of line. It's just the new price for quarterbacks. Uh, the Ravens general manager is quoting, he's saying, Eric DaCosta, that's what the market is. So soon, though, think about this, the Cincinnati Bengals' Joe Burrow and the Los Angeles Chargers' Justin Herbert are going to be eligible for extensions after this season. Huh? Huh? 
Now, these deals are buoyed, financed, if you will, by new media deals. These media deals have made America's richest sport league richer than ever. And where they're spending the money, these owners, is they're spending them on the quarterbacks. The uh, salary cap, which is a figure that is collectively bargained between the NFL and its players' union, that's based on how much money the league makes. It has ballooned. In 2013, the cap was $123 million. This year, it was $224.8 million, which is a leap of 82.8% in 10 years. Now, during this, the money has shifted, as we say, to favor the quarterbacks because they are the one who run the pace of the game. The From 2013 to 2023, the cost of the franchise tag for quarterbacks during those 10 years has gone up. Are you ready for this? 117.6%. It's the far more than the salary cap increase across the NFL. The only position with a bigger percentage of increase, see if you can guess it, is the defensive tackle. But that's on a much smaller scale. The franchise tag for that position of this year cost $18.9 million, or just over half of the $32.4 million tag price for a quarterback. So the ones who get the least out of this deal in terms of relative, relative pay have become the running backs. Their number has gone up just 22.8% since 2013, which is far less than the 82.8% increase in the overall cap. So the NFL, according to this analysis by the journal, is giving the passers the biggest share of the pie. No wonder Brady comes back. No wonder they don't want to stay away. Uh, and they're shifting around to get to the younger guys that they can. They have to pay more money for. But the younger guys are also great runners. So just to put it in comparison, in 2004, Indianapolis quarterback, Colts quarterback Peyton Manning set the record. He had a contract worth about $14 million annually. And that figure accounted for 17.4% of the cap at the time he signed it. And that's according to something called overthecap.com. Now, nine quarterbacks have surpassed 20%. And all nine have come since 2020. The first of them went to Patrick Mahomes, of course. Um, his contract still is the richest ever based on overall value. His contract over 10 years is worth about $500 million. Yeah, 10 years. 
$500 million. Has some incentives, but he's meeting them all. Now, Mahomes is coming off his second Super Bowl win. So he's the best quarterback in football. But in terms of what the leagues are paying for quarterbacks, he, can you believe it, has become a bargain. A bargain. So back to our buddy, Ham Newton, who finished out at Auburn. Might you want to reconsider, perhaps, the hair? Let's see it one more time, my production guys. It's worth taking a look at. I think we'll get it tossed up there in a little bit. Cam Newton's hair. Uh, and if we don't get it up there, we'll move on. But anyway, you've seen it. Maybe we can get it, uh, another view of it. So, <laughs> let's take a, 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 a uh, I'm, I'm putting a lot of load on my production guys today. Uh, I'm going to segue over. There we go. Thank you very much. I just wanted to give you one more view. And in, in terms of what these quarterbacks are being paid, Cam, do you want to maybe think about the hair? <laughs> Bless his heart. There you go. That's a stand. That's a man going to take a stand. Well, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, what happened with the Nuggets and the Suns last night. And you may have seen this, and I'll be listening to my good production man, see if we get ready to queue it up. Uh, here's what happened. Um, very hotly contested game. And at one point, um, the ball went out of bounds on the sun's end. And uh, push, there we go. We're going to run this for you. Watch this right here. Now, we're gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna have to run it a couple of times for you to catch all this. As a guy gets pushed down here, you're going to see in a minute. Right there, that elbow. I'm joking. This guy right here. If you go back and look at it, he was interfering. And these are some guys here on ESPN talking about it. He was interfering with the play. He grabbed the ball, and nobody would give the ball back. And The elbowed guy is the owner of the Suns. Which is hilarious. Of course, the player didn't know that, but the player got a technical for pushing the guy who wouldn't give the ball back, who turned out to be the owner of the other team. And the commentators all jumped on it right away and said, well, if it wasn't the owner, the, that man would have been kicked out for interfering with the game by not giving the ball back. But instead, they gave the center that you saw giving the elbow a technical. I thought that was kind of interesting. We wanted to show that to you. It's uh, happened right there in the game. I was watching the game. I said, my golly. And I didn't know that it was the owner 
<laughs> and then when I realized it, you know, we, when they said that's the owner, my God, that's the owner. What was he doing grabbing the ball and not giving it back? If you or I had been on the sideline and done that, in fact, they did kick a guy out sitting right behind the owner. So you tell me. The NBA. I guess it matters who, who's bore at the cabbage, as we say. Well, well, well. Coach Hogg's locker room, I think this is funny. You know, there's all this confusion about whether a man is a man and whether a man can be in the women's sports and all the, you know, it's never the other way around. So here we go. I thought this was interesting. Matt Beggs, I'd never heard of these people. Matt Beggs, B-E-G-G-S, okay? <clears throat> Who is Matt, Mac Beggs? Mac Beggs is the former Texas State rep- wrestling champion, a female wrestler, was Texas State wrestling champion female who now identifies as a man who has taken a challenge from a guy named Jake Shields. Jake Shields is a former MMA champion. Jake Shields has issued a challenge in which he offered to fight the top 10 toughest trans women in the world. He wouldn't even go to training camp, he said. And he would do it without a break between fights. He would fight the top 10 one after another. Now, a transgender man is a female who identifies as a man. And so this Mac Beggs is a female and has taken the challenge and has said to Jake Shields, I'm specifically specifically going to F you up. She asserted. This is the pronoun used in the Breitbart article. So there's a history to this kind of stuff, believe it or not, sort of. George Foreman fought and knocked out five men in one night in 1975 when he was trying to get his mojo back after being beaten by Ali. So Shields is a former elite XC strike force champion, a California native, 44 years old, but he hasn't been in a cage or a ring in two years. But that doesn't bother him. He wants to illustrate the absurdity of women fighting men. And there's a history to this, but it was called the Battle of the Sexes. Do you recall the Battle of the Sexes? 
well, I recall it as if it were yesterday. And it really launched women's tennis. Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs, who was much older than Billie Jean at the time, played a big tennis match. And Bobby Riggs was a great male player, but he was older. And he lost to Billie Jean in this battle of the sexes. And it really was kind of a pivotal point for women's tennis. Because it was shown then at women's tennis, a woman, woman playing could draw a crowd. So we don't know how this is going to turn out. Whether the Mac Beggs transgender man is going to crawl into the ring with, of course, <laughs> Shields, the former strike force champion. There you go. I don't know what else to tell you. The Oakland City is the last thing I want to talk about right now with you. They, and California's, you know, California. We're going to be talking about California some. Their last, their baseball team, talking about moving out of Oakland. They just can't take it. The place is crumbling. Oakland is going downhill. The teams are moving out. The Raiders moved out. The A's are talking about. I just thought that was kind of sad. You know, a lot of things are going wrong in California. We're going to cover that a little bit after the break. But uh, when you lose the sports franchise, particularly in a blue-collar town like Oakland, you got a real hole in this culture. But it could well happen. And much of the California world has got its values upside down. So we'll keep an eye on that for you. Uh, these owners will go where the money and the media is. And most of the media money is paid for by the media. It's less and less important, really, where the place the team is located in terms of media coverage, but it's important in terms of fan comfort. You know, the Miami Dolphins pulled out of Miami, went farther north, got away from Miami. Um, Colts pulled out of Baltimore, got away from Baltimore. It started in baseball with the Brooklyn Dodgers becoming the L.A. Dodgers. So keep an eye on Oakland. We're going to take a break on the Ward Scott Files here and be right back in just a moment. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery 
delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. The warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Welcome back to Ward Scott Files now. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave. Our weather report brought to you by Lewis Oil. Um, great outfit. Fossil fuel. Did it. Well, you know, we're waiting on more rain. I have not thought about doing the naked rain dance, uh, you know, but it's getting closer because we don't have enough rain. And it's amazing. I mean, it's just um, um, something I'm hearing more and more requests for. Um, we have middle, maybe high 80s today. We'll probably nudge 90 here where we are. And we're, you know, off that right now in the low 70s, but we'll get up there. But there's going to be, according to uh, uh, the weather uh, bureaus, something called the Omega Block weather pattern, which is going to dominate the U.S. weather this week. Uh, it's going to bring wet, cool weather to parts of the east and west and mild, dry conditions in between. And how it works is there's two southward plunges of the jet stream, one near California and another over the Great Lakes. And the northeast is in between a ridge of high pressure as a northward bulge in the jet stream. And that's going to be in place from the Rockies and the Plains into Canada. So uh, uh, this is jet stream, of course, is this ribbon of fast flowing air about 30,000 feet above the ground. So it's not new. This mega omega block is not new. Uh, It's an exaggerated north to south jet stream alignment that causes weather patterns to move slowly over time. Um, mainly the weather pattern gets clogged up and maybe that will have something to do with us not being able to get rain. Uh, eventually though, this will break loose. And perhaps when that does, 
uh, we'll get a different weather pattern, begin to pull some water off the Gulf as we frequently do coming towards June. But we need to water. Well, uh, here we are here uh, on the Ward Scott Files, and I want to just give you a little bit of local update. We're going to move into local stuff here. And, um, you know, normally I wouldn't report this type of thing to you, except it involves a very well-known figure in uh, the community, and that's Kim Barton, who is the uh, supervisor of elections. You've heard us talk. I, I like Kim. Uh, Kim's always been very sweet to me. I like Kim a lot. Um, I think she watches the program from time to time. She evidently has an issue, which she's filed in the circuit court of the 8th Judicial Circuit, uh, with the Gateway Christian Center uh, for damages for $50,000. Uh, um, apparently, she was she fell there. And uh, um, this we keep an eye on the public figures, most of all, or what they're up to. And, of course, Kim is a public figure. Um, she uh, went up a set of steps, which had been carpeted with artificial turf and uh, was not secured properly. And her foot caught on one of the screws, resulting in a trip and fall with injury. So we'll see how that turns out. I wish her well. I hope she's okay. I heard that she is walking with a walker. Uh, and uh, that is to be um, um, kind of taking a look. Let me, get, let me pull something out of the printer. Hang on. She is walking with a walker. Thank you for allowing me to do that. Well, I got here in my little studio. Well, it is now time, of course, uh, to bash Ron DeSantis. And get ready for it because it's becoming more and more of a journalism obsession. I guess the best way to say it with whether or not Ron DeSantis is going to run for president. And if so, when? Now, you know, one of the tough things in this world, particularly when you become a public figure, is whom can you trust? Really? I mean, who really has got your back? You know, you try to control it because a lot of things you do are done in confidence with trust. You know, Romney is a good example. Somebody busted into Romney's press, whatever he was doing back then, I've forgotten, and heard him say something about a certain percentage of voters didn't count and leaked that, and it probably cost him the election. I mean, there's a lot of thinking about that. It probably cost him the election. Or let's put it this way. The election would have been closer with Obama. So DeSantis has got this bullseye on his back. Trump obviously does. I mean, they have been after Trump, as we've said, ever since he came down the escalator. So now that DeSantis is becoming a kind of, perhaps, contender, things are happening. When he ran against Gillum, Thank Greyhound and Ghosts. He beat Gillum. 
He beat Gillum, thank goodness, and Graham. But he did what all guys do. He was prepping for things he could say and not say with what he thought, I'm sure, was his trusted crowd. But now it's all over the media, and we thought we'll show it to you. Somebody leaked one of the dry runs. So, production, let's see if we can cue that up. We'll run it a couple of times. We'll run it. I'll comment on it, and then we'll run it again. So I'll, I'll see how we I think we got it queued up. Has the NRA donated to me? I, I don't think the NRA is quite the boogeyman the Democrats think it is. Do we hit him on guns, or just everyone who cares about guns every, is going to vote for me? Is there any issue upon which you disagree with President Trump? Obviously there is, because I've, I mean, I've voted contrary to him in the Congress. I have to frame it in a way that's not going to piss off all his voters. So what I do is I do what I think is right. I support um, his agenda in terms of what he's been able to do. If I have a disagreement, I talk to him in private. I think when you walk up there, if you have a pad, you have to write in all caps at the top of the pad, likable. And just look, I, I do the same thing, because I have the same personality. We're both aggressive. Has the NRA donated to me? I, I don't think the NRA is quite the boogeyman the Democrats think it is. Do we hit him on guns, or just everyone who cares about every, guns is going to vote for me? Is there any issue upon which you disagree with President Trump? Obviously there is, because I've, I mean, I've voted contrary to him in the Congress. I have to frame it in a way that's not going to piss off all his voters. So what I do is I do what I think is right. I support um, his agenda in terms of what he's been able to do. If I have a disagreement, I talk to him in private. I think when you walk up there, if you have a pad, you have to write in all caps at the top of the pad, likable. And just look, I, I do the same thing because I have the same personality. We're both aggressive. Has the NRA... They heard that, right, Jared? They picked that up, okay? Okay, I just don't hear what you all hear. I'm just checking with my productions to make sure you all heard it. And may not have seen that, or you may have seen it, but it's really nothing unusual about that. Except that somebody in that room is trying to backstab you by leaking that out to the press to do what? Just create backwater. Now, this is something that is I want I want to give you I want to give you a little bit of a conversation. It's in the Miami Herald, Miami News. I've forgotten which paper it is. It's in one of those two. I can look it up. Anyway, it's in a Miami paper. And this is the article. They are mocking DeSantis saying, well, word is it that DeSantis is going to be issuing an executive order outlawing all existing journalism classes and creating a new mandatory course for incoming journalism school students at Florida State Universities, which will teach the correct non-ideological principles of news reporting. The course titled Journalism 101, Reporting the Right Way, will be taught by two of the state's most renowned journalism experts, Ron DeSantis himself and Assistant Professor Christina Pushaw, the governor's director of rapid response. 
And then they go on to make fun of this. Uh, they say that the objective of this course is to train you to become a megaphone for the governor and not challenge him on policy stances. Um, and, you know, this is this is the this is the target now that you're going to be seeing more and more um, negativity, either manufactured or mis. How should I say this? Uh, unreliably reported. And uh, this is because, oh, here's the, ba- here's the banned reading, according to the Miami paper article. The Associated Press style book, A History of Flora Through Black Eyes, any book on journalism ethics, South Florida Gay News, all mainstream media except maybe Fox, and anything critical of Ron DeSantis. Let me tell you why this is happening. You know, this This is DeSantis' slogan. This, Florida's where woke has come to be, you know, unacceptable, whatever. Let me, let me, just, let me just share something with you. I don't know if you've heard of Christopher F. Rufo. He writes for a publication called BeforeIt'sNews.com. BeforeIt'sNews.com. Christopher Rufo has gone through in a very intelligent way what has been going on at the University of Florida in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion or DEI. Now we're way ahead of Christopher Rufo because we have posted on Ward's hot bulletin board documents about this at least a year or two ago. I want to go through what Christopher Rufo has found that we have found that the Miami newspaper doesn't want to hear anything about. And whoever the leaker is in the press conference probably doesn't want to hear anything about either. Or in the the run-up to the debate, the debate rehearsal. Christopher Rufo writes that he's obtained a cache of internal documents through the Sunshine Law records, which shows the scope, scale, and radicalism of UF's diversity and inclusion programs. Now, officially, so writes Rufo, The university has reported to DeSantis that it has 31 DEI initiatives at a cost of $5 million per year. But Rufo says this doesn't begin to capture the extent of the complexity 
of the DEI programs at UF. Because DEI is not a series of standalone programs. Rather, it's more an ideology that is embedded in every department on the campus. Now, following the death of George Floyd in May 2020, and you notice that Rufo did not call it a murder. Inflammatory rhetoric uses the word murder. Rufo says death. Following the death of George Floyd in May 2020, UF cranked up a massive number of diversity-focused initiatives. They had a chief diversity officer, Antonio Ferris, who organized a university-wide plan for, quote, anti-racism measures, end quote. And these measures included mandatory diversity training for all students, faculty, and staff, and an entire academic year focused on the, quote, black experience, racism, and inequality, end quote. And a presidential task force, and this would have been Fox, was organized to explore the university's racist past, which then meant, are you ready for this? Recommendations for renaming buildings, removing monuments, and banning, are you ready for this? Historic racist imagery. Not to mention a host of programs and speakers and workshops. There was a chief diversity officer who replaced this guy by the name of Marsha McGriff. And she created a three-year plan that included the creation of, quote, an institutional equity and inclusion blueprint, end quote, which was an expansion of a university-wide DEI infrastructure. Are you ready? That went into each division, each school, and each college to enforce the DEI ideology at every level of the bureaucracy. There were loyalty surveys, questionnaires asking faculty and staff to rate their agreement with statements evaluating their units, quote, commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion, end quote. There was financial support for DEI. And there were trainings on, quote, unconscious bias. Now, you know, unconscious bias is the wrong word. If you're unconscious 
You're knocked out. Don't they mean subconscious bias? I mean, if you're unconscious, I guess they ain't never been unconscious, but there you go. Unconscious bias. And, are you ready? Microaggressions. According to Rufo's research, you have created over 1,000, 1,018 to be exact, separate DEI initiatives. Huh? One area of focus for the DEI bureaucrats was to forcibly recompose the racial demographics of the profession-orient. They administered a survey to measure affirmative action efforts in faculty hiring and to question departments about their commitment to DEI-style hiring. I told you I was in on one of these kind of situations. I said, if a college, the math department. Now, the list of favorite practices included specific formal training in diversity, equity, and inclusion. There were specialists in this, equity specialists, who advised search committees. And the message was not really hard to decipher, Rufo writes. Must stack the deck in favor of racial minorities. You must use racial identity rather than pure academic merit as a key qualification in faculty hiring. I was involved in that type of problem as the Senate president when I was at Santa Fe. That's how long this has been going on. And it's got worse and worse and worse. Faculty are now encouraged to submit to racial training programs, affinity groups, and to admit if you're white that you have white privilege, white fragility, unearned advantages of whiteness. You know, I thought I was going to get time today to get to the reparation discussion in California. No wonder. No wonder. The UF Counseling, boy, here we go, and Wellness Center. Rufo's research shows has become a hotbed of racial ideology. In 2021, the counseling department at UF held a training program called Healing and Transforming Racial Trauma in the counseling field. Huh? The basic narrative in this program was to translate critical race theory into therapeutic terms. Huh? Now, I doubt the writers in the Miami newspaper have seen this research. I doubt they have looked at Ward's Hot Bulletin Board. 
The Counseling and Wellness Center is really, according to Rufo, using psychotherapy as a vehicle for ideology. I'd call it brainwashing myself. How was anybody going to deal with this except at the gubernatorial level, is my opinion here. How are you going to take on DEI programming at all Florida public universities? When you couldn't even get the universities to admit or recognize that they had embedded DEI in every department, program, and initiative. And that's just not the University of Florida. It's all over the Florida system. So you're beginning to see, for example, in the New York Times, this irks me, an article called The Devolution of Ron DeSantis. Now, what are they trying to do? Well, they're trying to kneecap Ron DeSantis before he even declares for the presidential race. They think they've got Trump on the run. So they want to hedge their bets, my opinion. Just in case. They want to be sure that this guy who has made Florida such an attractive state to New Yorkers, for example, is not a viable candidate for the presidential race. So they're out to get him already, in my opinion. Here's a paragraph out of their narrative. Mr. DeSantis's varying campaigns against everything from the coronavirus restrictions to gender studies curriculums weren't extraordinarily popular, at least not in terms of national polling. Who cares about national polling when you've got the students in the classroom unable to hear anything but the ideology? And they're trying to make his movement against the quote-unquote woke liberals a failure. And you hear DeSantis saying, I'm going to need all the votes, basically. How do I present my positions? That's perfectly normal. For somebody to try to find a way to do that. Meanwhile, where else is this battle going on? I just want to connect the dots for you. Clarence Thomas, the Supreme Court. They want to kneecap him. For ABC News, which I watched the other night, to quote ProPublica is journalistically criminal. 
ProPublica is a far-left editorial publication. It is doing the handiwork of kneecapping all the conservative people. Trump, Thomas, Supreme Court, DeSantis. It's pretty clear that game on. Meanwhile, the media is not going to cover anything about Biden except to cover Uncle Joe saying, oh, I love my kid. He's done no wrong. Are you kidding me? Meanwhile, look at how tightly controlled old Uncle Joe is. They make a video announcement of him running for president. They don't want any leaks anywhere. They don't want him standing up live in front of anybody. And guess what? That's not a bad plan. It'll probably work. Jackie Kensler wants to know who leaked it. I don't know who leaked it. They'll get to the bottom of it. So there you are. And reparations thing in California, I was going to get to today, and I apologize. I apologize. I apologize that I didn't get to it. But I, I'll try to get to it tomorrow. It all plays into what's going on right now. The bottom line, the bottom of all of this is the race card. Bottom of all of this is the race card. I mean, there's no question about it. They say it in the documents. They say it. They don't even try to hide it. Appreciate you watching, tuning in, share if you like to, and Think about it, debate it, modify it, research it. That's what we do here. Have a great day. Warthog Command Center out.